opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Managing Editor James Kleiman to talk about Rocket reporting a profitable Q3 and what it means that their new CEO comes from the fintech world, not mortgage. James, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back. Great to have you on. And I wanted to cover some of the earnings we're getting um, through lenders and and other big tech companies um, of of big importance to me, or at least it was of note, was the fact that Rocket looks like it had um, profits again in Q3. So would love to talk a little bit about that. This is a really tough environment. So let's talk about how they how they were profitable. Yeah, so Rocket did earn a profit in the third quarter, which is great. They've, um, you know, they've, they've definitely had a, a difficult time as virtually not, not virtually every single mortgage lender in America has had a really challenging time of it. And, and that was always going to happen when you saw the one, two punch of limited inventory and rates that are close to record levels, at least in a modern context. Right. So rocket has traditionally been an absolute machine when it comes to refi business, but they're not as, they're not as good at purchase. And that was part of the original thesis we talked about, when the Fed first started raising interest rates. And I think they've held their own for the most part, uh, but they've definitely been lapped on the purchase side and they've launched a number of initiatives to try to gain some ground. And I think those are have been relatively successful. And the, the only thing I think worth mentioning though is that everything that Rocket does is a long-term play. They are not a short-sighted reactionary mortgage lender that only thinks from quarter to quarter that is only thinking about surviving from Q3 to Q4, Q1 to Q2, et cetera. And that's something that, that we do see a lot in the mortgage industry right now because it's it's really dire for so many of the companies out there, especially those that don't have the scale, that don't have the cash re- reserves that a rocket does. So rocket is able to use some of the advantages that they've built up. I mean, if you remember back a couple of years, I feel like they, they made something like 10 or 11 billion in profits in 2020 and 2021. They weren't far off that. So they've been able to bank a ton of money. No one talks about Rocket not surviving what is, you know, one of the most difficult climates of our era. Um, and they did manage to turn a profit in the third quarter. And in large part, that is because they've, they've gained some uh, market share and purchase. Uh, they don't break out purchase versus refi. They're one of the few publicly traded big mortgage companies that doesn't do that. Um, but they've they've done fairly well. You know, their consumer direct channel, I think they originated about 12 billion in loans. That was down by about half a billion from the prior quarter. The margins though were pretty healthy, 403 basis points. And they did pretty well on the TPO channel. So that is historically the conduit to mortgage brokers and a pretty good source of purchase business. And they made about $10.3 billion in originations. And that was up from $9.5 billion the previous quarter. Uh, so they've, they've done pretty well. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that they're expecting to do as well in the fourth quarter. Um, most mortgage companies are not 
looking at the fourth quarter and saying, oh, there's so much opportunity right now, but they're they're doing pretty well given all of the difficulties that they're encountering right now. So right when um, the Fed started raising rates, um, the newsroom wrote a story that said, you know, basically who are going to be the winners and losers in this market because things were changing so fast and companies had to adapt so fast. One of the things they had to do was figure out how to get rid of all this excess, you know, personnel that they had built up when they needed it during the boom. So, you know, when we look back at those stories, do you feel like what we outlined for Rocket is is exactly what they did? Yeah, I, I think Rocket, they were, God, they probably had about 24,000 employees at the height, maybe more. Um, and, and again, like the, they're a pretty big diversified company. They had a lot of different divisions and we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of these expense cuts, but they have shrunk Everyone has shrunk. I can't think of any mortgage lender in America that is markedly bigger than they were during the pandemic boom, 2020, especially 2021. I think, you know, a lot of the, the companies were caught flat footed when the pandemic hit and were not in a position to drastically grow their ranks in terms of employees. Rocket has had a lot of layoffs. They have acknowledge the layoffs. They're a publicly traded company. They have to. I think they've been much more generous than most in offering severance and, you know, job training to employees who are let go. They've done a lot of voluntary buyouts as well. And I imagine that the people who took the voluntary buyouts have probably fared better than those who ended up getting their number called uh, months later. But they've reduced the size of their operation. They've had to. They've had a lot of bankers who weren't getting the kind of volume that they were expected to get and they no longer work there and others have just washed out because it's really, really hard and rocket doesn't have the natural it's bankers. I should say don't historically have the natural kind of relationships that a lot of other retail competitors have with referral sources, namely sell and buy side real estate agents and rocket has had to really, rethink how some of their top bankers do get that kind of business because a lot of their business has come consumer direct and, and it's refi and it's just of a different type. It takes more than a day to kind of recalibrate your workforce to develop the systems and the programs. So Rocket is focused very heavily on first-time homebuyers. They've focused very heavily on people who have down payment assistance needs. They've got a couple programs that speak to that. They've got a credit card that they launched. These have been fairly successful programs. It's done pretty well, but they're not thinking about, oh, this is going to save the now. They're not thinking that these programs that they launch are immediate short-term fixes. They're thinking, how do we develop programs that do help now, that do bring in volume, that move us further from a very refi focused operation to a purchase focused operation. And how do we get people in the funnel a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. And what they're also doing is they're using the size that they've had to buy MSRs. Rocket historically services their own mortgages. It's part of their strategy to generate refis when interest rates do decline and Home values of, you know, with the exception of really 08, 09, have continued to shoot up, right? And that's a good business. That's a resilient business as well. So Rocket has a billion dollars in cash. They've got, I think, 
their total liquidity is about it's either eight or nine billion, but it's it's really high. It's very, very, very high. And um, they're able to use some of that flexibility to generate new business programs, to look at MSRs opportunistically. They bought, I believe, six billion in MSRs in the last quarter. And those are, I think, the average weighted um, interest rate on those APRs was six percent. And so they're, you know, hoping that definitely more than a year from now, maybe two years from now, maybe three years from now, maybe four years from now, they have a huge opportunity to capture that business and they do it better than anybody else. The average independent mortgage bank has like a 20 to 30%, you know, recapture rate when they have MSRs on their books. Rocket is significantly better than that. They're really, really, really solid at generating refi business. No one that I talk to consistently in the mortgage industry thinks that they're going to be worse off two years from now. I think we've already hit the bottom, especially for Rocket, and they're only going to get stronger. And they've survived. They've absolutely weathered the storm. They're not number one, which is probably a you know a point of pride that is difficult for them to swallow, but they're number two. D- depending on how one looks at it, some people look at Penny Mac and say they're bigger. Some say that you know correspondent shouldn't um, be part of that conversation. I'm agnostic on it, but you know, Rocket is is, is like pure originations go. Um, they're up there, right? And and they're well positioned a year from now, two years from now to capture a lot of refi business. So I, I think they've they've built a pretty a pretty bulletproof business model. Well, and there's a couple things there. So you know, one of the things we said about winners and losers is when you get to the end of this very difficult environment, or as you start to go back up, there's just a whole lot less players, right? I mean, there's a you know, we we had a story a couple of weeks ago about, you know, 100,000 LOs have washed out of the system and, you know, uh, companies along with them, right? So there are companies that are just no longer there. So if you're left, you have, your, you have the opportunity to get more market share um, just by stint of being left, but especially when you have the kind of operation they do to take advantage of that. Yeah. And the bigger are going to get bigger. So I, I think that UWM has probably got about 50% thereabouts of the wholesale market. We'll find out when they have their earnings call in a couple of days, but they're getting bigger. They're doing very well in this kind of environment. Rocket has not shown as brightly, I think, as, as UWM has in, in terms of just purchase volume, but they've done very well. They were flat from the prior quarter. It's down year over year, of course, but look where rates are. I, I mean, it's incredible to me that anyone is doing more than $20 billion a quarter. And, and a lot of that is also in cash out refis. Rocket is still better than almost anybody at the cash out refi. There's still a ton of people in this country that have a lot of equity. And there are other pressures that people need to deal with. People have medical debt. People have you know, college loans that they need to pay. People have all kinds of reasons. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, wages haven't climbed all that much. Expenses have certainly outpaced those kinds of gains. And Rocket has a lot of customers that probably could financially benefit from a cash out refi. A lot of them won't. You know, it won't be a great dis- decision for, I'd say, the majority of people, but for those who have a cash crunch and they've got a lot of equity, 
Rocket has still got a pretty compelling product. So you add that, you add some of the the purchase focused products that they have. You have this idea that they're only going to get better at figuring out the funnel. I mean, eventually someone is going to crack it open at some point. So the thesis goes, right? I, I don't know. I mean, they've been working at this for a while. They haven't quite gotten there yet, but they're still probably further along than most. They're going to be using AI. There are a lot of new tools out there that Rocket and its team of technologists and bankers will be able to use to their advantage. And you have a lot of potential, you know, a lot of uh, theoretical competitors that maybe are in the game right now, but won't be because who has a billion in cash? Who will be able to survive all the margin calls that are already happening, that are still to happen? How many of the lenders that are in that 500 million to 5 billion origination volume range that are going to stay as IMBs. A lot of them are going to become mini cores. A lot of them are going to become broker businesses. And some of them will be partners for Rocket then, right? If they're not UWM. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of consolidation. There's going to be a lot of those top 10 players that are probably just going to keep getting bigger. And we know that it's unlikely we're going to see 8% interest rates. They're already dropping. You know, we, we talk right now on Monday and they've already fallen like probably about 60 basis points in the last week or so, a little over that. So hopefully, hopefully we're, we're on the better path. And that, and that is a great thing for rocket. It is. And it's, it's a, you know, when, when we had a bunch of different lenders um, about to go public, right after in the middle of the boom. I mean, one of the things we talked about on the podcast then was like, how does this work when there's not a boom? And, you know, you look at rocket, you look at UWM and like, well, you know, that, that was a good, that was a good decision for, for those two companies. Some of the others, you know, it's, it's been really rough. And, and in some ways it was very predictable that it was going to be rough. This is a cyclical business. And so, you know, at the same time brought in money. I mean, it, you know, you can, I, I'm not uh, commenting on whether it was smart or not, but it is interesting to look back and see, you know, who's done well since people went public. Oh, I would absolutely argue it was smart. You, you are, I don't think that the investors have done particularly well. If you look at the stock price of UWM, Loan Depot, Rocket, you go up and down the board on, on, you know, the big IMBs that are not very servicing focused per se, you know, like a Mr. Cooper, a Penny Mac is kind of a different animal because they're, they're a little bit more focused on the servicing and, and then the, the origination is, I don't want to say secondary, but they're, they're definitely generating more profits on the servicing side. Um, but they have so much more flexibility. They have so much more in, in just the amount of capital they can tap. And there aren't a lot of competitors out there that are privately funded that have investors with such deep pockets or that have the ability to raise money like one could in 2020 and 2021. It does mean that they have in some ways, you know, a little bit more control in some cases, right? Um, Because you don't have the risk of say, somebody just buying a ton of your stock or an activist investor or, you know, there are a lot of headaches that are associated with running a publicly traded company, especially one that is in, in a pretty poor operating environment, you know, kind of speaking market wise. Um, but just the ability to raise cash and to tap the existing lines that you have is so much better. If you're 
a little smaller and one of your main warehouse lenders goes belly up, Rocket can self-fund. They can keep everything they originate for probably a couple months on the books. UWM could do the same thing. I don't think anyone else, maybe maybe Penny Mac could do that as well. Um, but nobody else really has that sort of flexibility. And so it means that there's almost no scenario in which any of your competitors are going to outlast you. And you're always playing from a position of strength whenever you're in, in a deal, right? And, and that goes for M&A concerns, that goes for buying MSRs. I mean, that's, that's a competitive market as well. Um, and it's just, you have so many more tools available to you and Rocket is in that conversation. It's only a couple of them that can really do that. Even Lone Depot, which I don't think has done particularly well, financially speaking, you know, they've, they've really um, focused on cutting costs and waiting for the right opportunities that come maybe in 2024, maybe 2025, whatever period that is. But they wouldn't be able to do all this without being a publicly traded company. I don't think they have enormous benefits from having done that. And they're able to, to kind of, you know, the, the expression is build the plane on the fly, right. Or, or build it while it's flying. Something like, it's like some business jargon. My, I don't know <laughs> I, I picked up on here and there. I, I don't think it's particularly smart to build a plane while it's flying, but you know, but, but the fact that they're able to do it in some respects um, speaks very highly to this kind of model working in a tough environment. It's not great for the investors, but it's really great for the company. Absolutely. So you you mentioned technology and how uh, Rocket might be doing, you know, leveraging some of that technology in the future. It's important to note that they have a new CEO and he's a fintech guy, right? Varun Krishna. Yep. Uh, used to be an executive at Intuit and uh, PayPal. So you know, and and Rocket has said that they they want to be a fintech. What does that mean to you when you when you hear that? He's not a mortgage guy. And, and I, I think it's really interesting that they decided, one, they do know Intuit, you know, obviously they have a history having been spun off and, you know, Dad Gilbert, um, you know, buying the company back and, and sort of, you know, moving it in the rocket direction, right? But they do have, I imagine, quite a few contacts still at Intuit. They hired a product guy. They hired a guy, I think, with the explicit goal in mind to say, we are looking beyond this mortgage cycle. We are looking at how does one get to that consumer directly? How do we get that loan done more, I think, economically? Uh, how do we do it cheaper than anybody else? How do we do originations faster than anybody else? Can we improve upon our refi capabilities? Can we figure out how to get to the home buyer before even the agent does, right? And and they obviously Rocket does still have a lot of programs that rely on buyer referrals. But if anyone is going to figure out consumer direct in a pure play mortgage, you know, somebody finds a home on Zillow or CoStar or wh whatever platform it is, even Rocket Homes, right? Technically, um, they they could do that, and then they find the LO, the banker, before they even find the agent. And then Rocket is able to, you know, get what 30% of the commissions that the agent would have received, something like that, depending on the market. Um, that is absolutely a possibility. How likely it is, I don't know, but they view this as a larger play that transcends the market that we're in today. And 
probably even the one that we'll be in in 2024, 2025. You don't have the opportunity that you're looking to seize um, fits that person's skill set and vision, right? That's not, you, you don't go from a Jay Farner, uh, you know, a very pure play mortgage guy who, who certainly uh, was, was very, um, you know, technology focused in his capacity as, as a, you know, rocket CEO, but you don't move away from him and a Bob Walters um, who, who had been, you know, part of the company almost since birth, right? You don't leave the family, so to speak, unless you feel very confident that there is a totally different game that is going to be played a couple of years from now. Because it takes time to build the apparatus, the capabilities, the processes. Rocket is a very process-focused company as well. So he's going to have to get in. I, I imagine the first year for him is just going to be learning kind of the nuances of the business and and the products and you know, who talks to who in a transaction? How do we disrupt this? How do we make this more cheaply? Um, how do we make it cheaper, rather, I should say, for the consumer? And what sort of technology do we apply three years from now? You know, how do you build that out? Who do you need um, in that room to to make it work? So we're very, very early in Varun Krishna's tenure, but it's a pretty exciting hire. And I think if anyone can truly figure out how to dislocate, you know, kind of the traditional experience of the buyer finding the agent and then the agent referring that out to an LO or a couple LOs that are, you know, in their, you know, top three, um, that Rocket is, is probably best positioned to do that. Well, and that's, you know, not even saying the disruption that might be coming to the whole um, agent consumer relationship and who gets to him first with the, with the commission lawsuits. I mean, there's, there's a lot of opportunity now that things might be very different. Yeah. Look, if, if it does occur that the judge in the case in Missouri, Sitzer Burnett decides with his injunctive relief that cooperative compensation is done, it is dead and every buyer needs to pay their own agent. No mortgage company in America benefits more from that than Rocket. Rocket already has tons of programs designed to find the buyer first. They have, um, you know, just a, a, a more, I think, robust series of programs, and and they know how to do it. They've they've navigated, you know, RESPA with agents who also are are licensed or able to work as um, as LOs in transactions. They they have a really solid setup if someone is going to go consumer direct. And and the most compelling reason why is because they've built probably the only recognized mortgage company for the average consumer. Even the average consumer doesn't know UWM and UWM is okay with that because they want the average consumer to know their broker locally. They want that broker to be, you know, the, the ultimate source of business. That's their consumer is the broker, not the end user, so to speak. Um, but Rocket, how, how long have they had Super Bowl ads? How, you know, how much stickiness do they have compared to the other mortgage lenders? It's night and day. Like there's no one even close to them. You know, there are traditional banks, but they're not exactly uh, looking to capitalize on the mortgage business over the next couple of years. So I, I think they have a big head start if something like that does happen, but so many variables. And, and even then, you know, it's not like any one company is going to capture 50% market share probably in my lifetime, but who knows? Crazier things have happened. 
Crazier things. Um, you know, I've been interviewing tech executives for our housing stack newsletter. And some of those, probably more than half at this point, have been lenders, uh, the leaders of lenders. And, you know, I've asked them, it it varies so wildly, you know, if if they buy or build, if they're a tech guy in the mortgage industry, if they're a mortgage industry that, you know, does tech, um, you know, dabbles in tech. And and what you see here with this, with this CEO play. Um, with Krishna is that, you know, what will it look like to have we, we, for, for so long, you've had tech people go, I need to come in and disrupt this terrible process or whatever. Here's a guy who's coming into a very established company, one of the biggest and, and, and bringing that in. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what that looks like. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think it's going to be really exciting to see what they do a year from now, you know, when they've really started to develop I think a, a better understanding of what Varun wants to do with the company, how far he pushes into different realms, what kind of new technologies they're able to apply to the process. And, and like I said, he is very much a product guy. He is someone who thinks very, very creatively about what that experience looks like for the consumer and how do you get to them. And don't, like getting to them is only part of it. If you get to the consumer and they don't have a good experience that could absolutely tank the next couple of transactions. And Rocket's goal has always been, we want a lifetime relationship with these clients. So it's not enough just to get to them first and to stick out and, and compel someone to do a mortgage on their phone. You have to make that process better than what it has been for a very long time. And you know, even you and I talked about this a while back when you were buying a home in Kansas and I believe you used Rocket at, at one step in the process, and it maybe wasn't as intuitive as, as one would have liked, right? And, and so they have to make sure that it is a Cadillac experience. Otherwise, maybe the next time you transact and buy a house, Sarah, you go a different route, right? Like the stakes are pretty high. If you give somebody a bad experience in this industry, I think it's unlikely that they would use you again. Yeah, actually, they were they were one of the um, consumer direct people that I called to to see what that whole process was like, and and what I found was like uh, they weren't the only ones. You you go through this whole thing online, and and then it was kind of a different thing when you get down to it. So, um, so interesting. We're going to be watching that, and of course, like you said, UWM's uh, you know will be reporting in a couple of days, so we'll we'll be able to compare apples to oranges there and see what it looks like. Uh, but James, thanks so much for being on. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.